Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. Things just feel a little bit fresher. It feels like we just changed the air filter in the house, you know? It's just, I feel good. I don't know why. What could it be? We were talking about this before the show. Obviously, this is going to be the first podcast in a a post-Trump, current Biden, you know, president uh of the united states and it's interesting when we look back on it this podcast has been running for four years we started about two months after trump took over office and now we're still going through biden now being president which is pretty cool um never thought we'd go this long obviously we no longer have jordan um but still two of us chugging along strong interested to see what happens in the coming years uh, an important thing for people who are gamers, I know people don't like to listen to politics and listen to game podcasts, but there is one thing. Uh, the FCC now has a new uh, mm. new leadership, uh, so we don't have to really worry about net neutrality anymore. Uh, data caps aren't going to be as strong of a thing now. Like, It's better for America that, I think his name was Riz Patel? Is that what his name was? It was, yeah, I think an Indian name, Ajit Pai or something like that. Ajit Pai, that's sure. what it was. Yeah, Ajit Pai. Uh, he's no longer appointed as the chairman of the FCC, which is really important for gamers. And uh, another huge thing is with Biden in the presidency, we're going to probably see a lot of trade and commerce get turned around uh, to be pro-international trading, which is positive for uh, tax regulations and basically <laughs> us having to pay less on imported goods. Um, which is good getting exported from other countries. So that's huge for gamers too, especially, you know, people are into Japanese specific type, maybe game releases or hardware releases. We're not going to have to be paying that international tax anymore based on Trump's policies. Biden's policies are a lot more friendly because obviously they're left leaning. Anyways, that's all politics out of the way. Dom, it's been a good week. We had the resident evil event take place, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into later. That's the topic of the show. Um, other than that, not much else going on in the world of video games. We're still kind of ramping up the Lucasfilm game stuff was kind of a shot out of nowhere. And now we're back to a little bit slow as, you know, we get to these game releases. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the year unfolds in terms of video game releases. We don't know what's going to be delayed. What's not going to be delayed. Uh, but I want to make a first mark real quick. Uh, last week, was it last week that we talked about our fantasy draft? It was, Yep. uh, that was the topic of the show. You already got a hit. You already nailed one out of the park. Uh, if people remember, hit. you drafted Hitman in both of our leagues, the one we talked about last week and the one we did with friend of the show, Chris Nunes. And it's currently sitting at an 86, which has netted you 16 points. Huge. I figured the game was going to review well. That's better than I thought anyways. Yeah, I figured at least 80. Um, so 86 was like, oh, great, sweet. That might be the best... Uh best one i get man maybe resident evil can can match it but that might be tough too yeah it'll be interesting when we talk about the gameplay details of how that might affect the game reviewing um but hey man your first release nailed it it's a good base right 16 points is a very good base to start on um the cool thing as the weeks go on we get game release dates uh you know it's not going to really mean anything for resident evil having its date announced because you already have that but we'll be able to go in there and bid and see who ends up coming out on top with the picks um, I'm willing to bet my whole paycheck once Elden Ring gets the release date, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know. I have it in one, but I don't have it in another. Uh, it's unclaimed another, but I don't know which uh, league that is. 
Anyways, that's enough talk about that. Let's get into the news here uh, for the rundown. The first bit of quickie news, the Chinese Room, if you're familiar, they're the developers behind Dear Esther. Everybody's gone to the Rapture. I believe they co-developed Amnesia Machine for Pigs, which is the second game in that uh, trilogy of horror games, the Amnesia series. They're working on an original first-person action-adventure title. I know what you're thinking. Oh, that's a weird way to label a walking simulator. Just call it a walking simulator because that's what they do. This won't be a walking simulator. This is like an actual first-person action-adventure title. They were purchased in 2018 by Sumo Digital, which is something I forgot. I almost guarantee we covered it on the podcast, Dom, but I just don't remember that happening. Um, and I guess since then, their scale and scope of their projects has kind of t- been taken to the next level. And the studio itself has now self-proclaimed its ambitions of building the, quote, Naughty Dog of the UK, which are pretty lofty ambitions. Naughty Dog, obviously, beloved, well-accomplished developer. Um, interesting to see what's going to be happening with them next in terms of their next title you know because they're not really going to be working in the uncharted territory we assume anyways but with this with chinese room dear esther everyone's gone to the rapture people can label those as walking simulators but both those are very excellent titles um i only played dear esther i never got a chance to play everyone's gone to the rapture both those games award-winning they both own baftas which are the british academy of fine and theatrical arts or something like that i'm everyone knows what the baftas is in terms of the short acronym for them what do you think about this ambition for the Chinese room? Do you think they'll be able to nail it? And do you think maybe trying to pursue the label of Naughty Dog of the UK might be too ambitious for the studio? Yeah, that's way too ambitious. I mean, that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> okay, it could, but that would be uh, it's something to shoot for. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any problem with wanting to, to strive to be that. Like, that's that's a good goal to have, right? Um do I see that happening? No, that that would be tough. Um, I don't know much about Sumo Digital, who now owns them, but that's different than being owned by Sony. I mean, you just just you don't have the funding and resources available that you know PlayStation does for Naughty Dog. So like that's going to make that tough to do uh, alone. Um, not to mention like Naughty Dogs, it tends to be a pretty talented studio. But hopefully that uh, I like the sound of. Um, a first-person action adventure game though like uh i so i'm on the flip side of you i never played dear esther but i did play everybody's gone to the rapture i really enjoyed that one um like super moody and definitely very beautiful like graphically uh beautiful game and i really liked the story that they had along with that even though it's a little bit abstract but still pretty cool so i'm excited uh, for how they describe this new game that they're working on is kind of taking what they do with first-person walking simulators but then making it an action-adventure game. Um, I'm excited for that. I mean, I, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, Dishonored, um, soon-to-be Deathloop kind of a game, maybe without, like, the kind of weird traversal and some of the other elements those games have. But um, a first-person action-adventure, I don't feel like we get too many of those. Um, can't, I'm kind of stuck thinking of other examples. So I'm, I'm down... Um, Oh, Perfect Dark, or not Perfect Dark. Wow, it's that other game. Something with Mirrors. Mirror's Edge? Mirror's Edge. That's more of a um, platformer, right? But first person, nonetheless. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious to see what what this is they got going on over there. Yeah, I'm with you with the Naughty Dog of the UK being a tough thing to land on because of the budget, right? Like mm-hmm. you said. I think the likelier people to be named the Naughty Dog of the UK are either... 
uh, Guerrilla Games, which I don't know if they're technically part of the United Kingdom. Uh, I don't think so, because they're Amsterdam, Swiss, right? Say. Are they Swiss? Or what's Guerrilla? I think... Oh, wait. Belgium? Gorilla, no, Guerrilla is uh, the Netherlands. Because it's they're in the Netherlands in the UK. This is the uh, American education system at work. The UK, no, the UK is just like England and Wales and like and South Ireland, I think. Yeah, Northern Ireland and yeah, it's not any. Only half of Ireland is in the UK, right? I don't know about that. (laughs) Here, I'm I'm looking it up real quick. This is yeah. So it's United Kingdom, England, Scotland, Wales, Gibraltar, Isle of Man. Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So definitely not the Netherlands. Yeah. So, uh, and pl- where's Playground? Playground's in England, right? Fable Studio. Fable and Forza Horizon. Mm, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Wait, or is it? Yeah, it is because yeah. it's the same as the original Fable uh, location, which was also British, I believe. Yeah, it's in England. I I think in like Bristol or something. Anyways, they have they have the stronger chance for that because of the xbox budgeting behind them right mm-hmm. i think that's a big thing is like we don't know what sumo digital is giving them to work on this and maybe it is in the future who knows maybe xbox buys sumo digital and therefore they own chinese room and give them the budget who knows i uh, will see what happens so that was an interesting story because they're an accomplished studio and this is a conversation people often have with musicians dom where musicians will put out like two or three maybe four albums you know the fan base loves that style of music but as an artist, some people like to evolve and grow and don't want to be stuck in the same type of sound. And they end up either finding a new fan base, the same fan base evolves with them, or they lose a lot of those fans they had early on, claiming that they weren't the same artist that they fell in love with. Um, but one thing with artists in general is I w- I'll always go with evolution and progress and trying something new over being stale, right? And trying doing the same thing over and over again. And with the Chinese room, you know, this might not work and it might the game might not sell, it might not review well, but I'd rather have them try this and be ambitious than to be stuck in the quote unquote walking simulator genre. Because I guarantee they can release five more walking sim type games and they'll probably all be fantastic. But at the end of the day, is that what they want to do? They just want to be labeled as the walking sim developer, you know? Yeah. And I mean, hey, like good on that. I didn't want to sound too negative earlier. Like absolutely like that's cool as hell that they're striving to be uh to do much greater things and have that ambition like that's awesome i, don't, I wouldn't want to um you know encourage someone to not you know try something different and try something big so like good for them and what's that corny saying uh shoot for the moon land among the stars you know sure you know, yeah shoot for naughty dog of the uk but if you end up being you know uh the arcane studios of the uk that's not bad either but arcane's a pretty well respected studio you know not naughty dog but still respected um next up xbox there was an xbox wire article in france remember xbox wire is like the official blog for xbox um but the french the french version had a bunch of updates from game studios for xbox um that they should expect more info and updates from halo infinite perfect dark bethesda's future and xbox game studios publishing which you should be familiar with that because of ori uh so they publish obviously like second party titles each of their messages was a little bit more specific, um, but I thought making it more granular didn't make sense. Just all of them had the same message of expect more information soon, right? The the most important one is Halo Infinite. The new game director said that they want to provide updates throughout the year up until the release. 
So I think that's going to kind of be their thing of like showing off more and more tidbits, which leads me to believe that game's definitely not getting delayed out of this year. Um, you know, a rumor, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent right now. One of the big prevailing rumors that has a little bit of backing to it, Dom, with Elden Ring is that it's actually practically done from start to finish, but they're using all of the time they can to polish, right? They're working for polish up until release. And that's why they haven't really done anything because they want the game to be kind of fully complete in this quarantine time of game development before they announce it and release it because they've seen everything that's been going on. So they're kind of just polishing the game. I think with maybe Halo Infinite, the game is probably done from front to end, but they're they're figuring out all of the technical issues and bugs right towards the end of development. They got a new game director. It doesn't seem like they fully rebooted, but I don't think it's as dire as like them delaying another year out of 2021. So that, you know, the message of here's constant updates in 2021 sounds dope. The perfect dark thing was them just saying, we'll reveal more soon. Who knows? It's kind of, they, they say it's going to be a spy thriller in the near future, which we kind of got from the trailer. Uh, but there's this future. Remember Xbox can't really talk about specific things until that deal's closed in the second quarter of 2021. It looks like, so they kind of have to be vague there. And then Xbox Game Studios publishing, um, I'm assuming their big news this year will probably be the Cuphead DLC. Uh, we can't really expect another Ori. That came out last year. Or maybe it's a new partnership we don't even know about. Maybe it's Play Dead's next game, um, which some tidbits came out about that, that it might end up being open world, which would be wild. They go from limbo to inside to open world, and it's still in their art style, but that'd be really crazy. And then they ended by saying there will be plenty of surprises this year. Which is like, yeah, dub, they're going to show us stuff we don't know about. But it's always cool to see it in writing, officially, uh, that we can expect surprises. Especially the way things have gone this last year. You know what I mean? So, really cool stuff. Like yeah, I said, nothing... I feel... Sorry, go ahead. I feel like there's a lot to be excited about um, from Xbox, uh, for first-party stuff. That, uh, you know, we're starting to learn of some of it. But there's still so much that, uh, you know, yet to be revealed. And I, I don't know, I'm... Halo, like Halo Infinite, has been like this weird thing lately. Um, but I'm still like very confident and excited um, that that game is gonna is gonna hit hard when it comes out. And I'm looking forward to see exactly how they, what exactly the game is gonna look like because we we know that there's gonna be free to play multiplayer, right? Like that's gonna yeah. be a separate thing. So I'll be curious to see you know how the game itself is structured because I, from all like, it, it appears, it's gonna be much different than previous halo games where they're, they're going to try to make this a game that people really stick with more maybe more of a service type game um i don't, I don't know exactly right like, we'll, we'll see how it comes out i'm mostly interested in the campaign myself but um still excited and that game, i'm not worried that that game is going to be good or bad because i think at worst it's a good game right it's a serviceable yeah, for game. Sure. i'm more interested to see how great that game can be because i think that game can be a, a above 90 beloved you know critically received very well title that could be up for game of the year or it could just be another halo title and it's we're kind of at a breaking point in that franchise where if this game comes out and is subpar doesn't necessarily do that well in terms of player base we might have to see halo go dark for a while before it ever comes back because it could be the tipping point to where this goes from one of the biggest franchises in the industry to what once was one of the biggest franchises in the industry and part of that is Xbox's fault because they never built up anything outside of Halo and Gears, right? So this is going to sound way more negative than I mean it to be, but they've kind of both been ran into the ground of like having to make sequels, having to make spinoffs, having them to be the backbone of the platform for years on end because 
before Phil, they did such a terrible job of building an infrastructure of interesting IP or working on IP they already owned, right? Like, what did Rare do in the years that they owned them? Not a whole lot until Sea of Thieves. Obviously, they had the earlier games, but, like, they are kind of working on random crap for a while. Like, this is a big point for Halo Infinite, and I do think that's why we're not only going to see Halo Infinite come out this year, and whether it's good or bad, we're also going to see Xbox give us details on Fable, give us details probably on Perfect Dark and Avowed, and they're probably going to push that, but that's the thing as soon as they know it's under their wing and it's official, because... If Halo doesn't perform like they want to, they need to be able to have people still excited, right, uh, for the platform moving forward. So we'll see what happens. Speaking of things to be excited about, though, the Resident Evil Showcase happened. This was via Capcom and Resident Evil's official channels. Uh, took place the day we're recording, which is January 21st, 2021. Capcom hosted a special 20-minute event titled Resident Evil Showcase, hosted by What's Good Games' Brittany Brombacher, which I think she's also known on the internet as that blonde nerd. Uh, one of the biggest Resident Evil fans on the internet, and it's really cool to see her hosting an event. Uh, this would be like if I got the opportunity to host um, a Mass Effect event. It's like, you know, she's so tied to that IP. It's really cool to see her get that opportunity. It was on their official Twitch page, and I wanted to go over the details. So we're going to start off with the thing that was least exciting. I won't be mentioning the animated film, because obviously this is a games podcast, so what's the point of that? But if you're interested in the RE animated film, that's going to be going to Netflix. Definitely go and look up that information. But people are wondering, there's this weird multiplayer beta you could sign up for before this event. What is it for? Is it for a weird Resident Evil multiplayer game? Is it for... What is it for? A mobile title? Turns out it's for a thing called Resident Evil Verse uh, or Reverse. Uh, R-E-verse. It's R-E semicolon and then the word verse. And... Here are the details. So it's a multiplayer title where players control the franchise's most popular heroes, villains, and monsters. Third person, four to six player free-for-all matches. Uh, some of the matches seem like it's a death match, so it's up to like a certain kill count. Others are timed, so it's like a five-minute clock. It's unclear if the game is standalone. And the reason it's unclear is because they stated it'll be free to owners of Resident Evil Village. Available on PS4 and Xbox One and on next-gen via backwards compatibility. So unlike Resident Evil, which is going to be on current gen and last gen, which they announced today as well, because it was only known for being on PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC, um, this multiplayer title is only going to be on last gen and then upgraded via backwards compatibility, the normal stuff. So it doesn't have like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A native a proper, version of the game. Yeah, yeah, like a proper next-gen version. It's it's just going to be back compatible. It's interesting, okay. So it's unclear if this is like an ownership thing where like if you own the game, you get this as a bonus download or if it'll also be standalone for a set price, right? Because owners of the game get it for free. Has a cel-shaded art style. Uh, people are comparing it to that PlayStation title Drawn to Death, that failed multiplayer title. Um, the playable characters they teased were Leon, Claire, Jill, Tyrant, Jack Baker nemesis and then in the advertisement for the game they were in the trailer are ada wong and hunk which is chris redfield's clone um so interesting stuff there i i, I made a, a joking tweet of uh to celebrate the 25th anniversary of resident evil of course they would announce a terrible multiplayer game that's kind of what they're known for people love the single player all the multiplayer games are not good um like resident evil resistance that came out with the re3 remake wasn't that good it was the asymmetrical one there was umbrella core which is considered one of the worst games of last gen not good stuff but this is interesting we'll see how it works weird art style 
Uh, maybe people will enjoy it. And at the very least, it's free if you buy this the main title, right? So it's like, you know, there's nothing there. You No skin in the game. You're not paying for an additional title. But let's get into the meat of this event, Dom. Resident Evil Village. I split it into two things. We have the release of details, which is all the stuff outside of actually playing the game. And then we have the game and gameplay details, okay? So we're going get to get into both of those. First up, we have a release date. May 7th, 2021. This is a little bit later than most people anticipated. People thought this was going to be a March or April release. So maybe it's a little bit farther out. My assumption would be it was probably ex wanted to be March or April. And then due to, you know, Corona and everything, they probably went with a safer date. Because what if it was announced for March and then got a two-month delay? What's the difference, right? Might as well play on the safe side. Uh, what do you think about the release date right before summer? Yeah, I'm into it. Um, this so far this year, it's felt super dry, and even in the next like two months, still feels like there's not much going on. Um, but then, even in, when you get into May, I, I feel like that's open, and like that's a, still a good spot for this game to do super well. Um, I think this, yeah, if they can get it out in May, then it should do great. Yeah, off the top of my head, the only game release dates I can think of are Hitman Three, which came out. Little Nightmares 2, Resident Evil 8, and there's something I'm missing. There's like um, Returnal, Kena, Bridge of Spirits is like maybe the first half of this year, Ratchet and Clank. Well, I'm talking maybe. about like actual dates, like nothing has yeah. dates, right? Uh, I know I'm missing something, somebody's going to shout at me in the comments. Mm. Um, but next up, exclusive PS5 visual demo, they described as that a visual demo, it's called Maiden. It's a prequel not tied to 8's narrative. It features a female protagonist. No combat or defense. That's why they call it a visual demo, because it's more about getting the environment and the feel and the sounds. Uh, a shadow dropped on PlayStation 5 uh, the day of the presentation, which is January 21st. And once again, remember, exclusive PS5 demo. So not exclusive PlayStation demo. People with a PS4 can't even do, use this demo. It's only on the PS5, which is very interesting, considering it's a much smaller install base than the PS4, right? Uh, way smaller. I thought that was an interesting decision. Um, I'm assuming this is going to be the type of thing, Dom, where when you, if you play this and then you play the game, there will be subtle nods you might notice of like, oh, that was in the demo or this was in the demo, mm -hmm. but it won't matter to people who didn't play it. And this is probably going to be like the victim before Ethan got there, and we'll get into why Ethan's at the castle. Pretty interesting. They also announced that the demo for other platforms is coming in spring 2021. And they made a weird statement of, like, it's not going to necessarily be the same demo. Um, so I wonder what that means. To me, the visual demo aspect of Maiden, right, where you don't have no combat and you have no defense, so there's no really no gameplay elements except for controlling the character's movement, right? I think with that, you're able to boost up the visual performance of the game, right? And I think it's mostly supposed to be, like, a unexperienced as opposed to an actual game and that's probably why on other platforms they're not going to have that because xbox one and the ps4 probably can't hit the visual presentation that they want to show off in this and then xbox series x won't have it because playstation probably paid for the exclusive rights to it right to some extent is my assumption that's why the other demo will probably be different um it's interesting because with re7 they had the whole kitchen demo remember kitchen came out no one knew it was attached to a Resident Evil game. And then there was the announcement that it was Resident Evil 7, uh, which was really cool. Um, it's I, I've never a fan of, like, exclusive demo stuff because it's even, like, more gross than 
like a exclusive game title for third party. And for PS4 owners, it's kind of even worse because it's like, it's not an Xbox PlayStation thing with the exclusive. It's literally like you have the next gen console, which is super hard to still get. Okay, you got to play the demo. You know what I mean? Which sucks <clears> for Resident <throat> Evil fans. Yeah, it's weird. I'm curious to um, I'll have to download it and see what's going on with it. Um, I would hope that at least it's a cool tech demo to see, like, you know, visually, it'd probably be like cranked all the way up, right? Like this should look incredible. Um, I want to so see what the. Cool. It'd be cool if because there's a built-in mic on the DualSense, right? I wonder mm-hmm. if like uh, PT, there's like a mic element to it. Like if it hear if they hear you in your mic, they you might get detected. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> for the demo, not for the actual game. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I still don't like that there's a mic in the controller, but that's a whole conversation for another day. Anyways, uh, let's get into the game and gameplay stuff. We already knew it was first person, but it was confirmed uh, following the footsteps of RE7. It's going to have the Resident Evil 4 management system, which people really like. Uh, obviously, it's a slightly different than what Resident Evil is known for, but people still love it. A uh, variety of weapons. This is one thing that I've always wondered with Resident Evil is there's always a select set of weapons, and to me, this game seems like it's going to have the largest variety, and you kind of get to choose what you want to use. Most Resident Evil games have, like, less than 10 weapons, and it's up to you to upgrade them and figure out which one you want to use. Oftentimes, less than, like, five weapons from what I've seen, but I could totally be wrong on that. Um, yeah, next up, usually it's, like, there, there's a couple that are you'll naturally find, but even a lot of times certain weapons are optional right like you might yeah. not find them in the game and that kind of that's always been a cool element i think um is like not not only is the ammo obviously limited but like the weapons themselves are kind of limited and uh, that always kind of had an impact so i'll be curious to see how this game differs uh, if they're going to have a lot more weapons some of them are like uh puzzle rewards oftentimes you'll have yeah. like the a and b paths for the narrative so if you if you play through them multiple times you'll get rewards like that um really neat stuff this one, though, they kind of made it a point. It seemed like they, there's going to be a variety of weapons uh, to let you kind of play your own way, which is neat. Who knows how much of a variety there is, but we'll see. Uh, so the village and the castle will be the major locations. You'll start in the village area and then make your way to the castle. So I wonder if it's going to be a unique gameplay experience to both where the village is a little bit more open and you're dealing with maybe um, working through through smaller buildings or around smaller buildings in the wilderness and fighting more scarce enemies or maybe bigger groups who knows and then once you get to the castle it's your classic resident evil mansion or police station where you're navigating rooms and possibly elevators and key cards and all of that stuff and um i, I like that the ca- castles are always cool and then when you put it in like a transylvania type area uh you know and you're maybe vampires involved it, it can get really cool the design of the castle in this presentation is beautiful it's what you'd expect mm-hmm. Uh, it's very like Victorian and haunting, um, major Bloodborne vibes if you're into Bloodborne, uh, in terms of the aesthetic, which is really cool. Uh, next up, puzzle variety and character design feels like Resident Evil. I know this is often important to Resident Evil fans, but characters are like wacky and weird, and they have their own distinct personalities. Their character designs are very Resident Evil. The puzzle variety seems to be there. One of the ones they showed off was w- with these like white pillar statues of some sort so that's great to see i think the worry often with resident evil isn't just moving away from the survival horror but moving away from the puzzle elements and making it more of an action title and i'm glad to see that they're sticking to that and i'm not even a huge resident evil fan so i'm i'm assuming die hard resident evil guys are and gals are excited about that 
Um, earlier we mentioned Resident Evil 4 with the management system. Another part of that game is coming back, and that's the merchant. Same type of voice, but this time it's the guy's name is the Duke. And instead of being this weird, skinny guy cloaked in a robe and a face mask, he's this very large, jovial man. Uh, once again, his name is the Duke. And he's going to be appearing periodically in the game. He pops up outside of, of the castle in this weird, like, puppeteer box thing. Uh, and he mentions, you know, he mentions your name, Ethan. And Ethan goes, why do you know my name? And he said, anybody who knows anything knows who you are, which we'll get to in a little bit in terms of Ethan being a known quantity in this European country across the world from the, I think RD7 took place in what, like Louisiana, right? So yeah. very weird. Um, Next up, we see Ethan's daughter, well, we find out Ethan's daughter is kidnapped and you see a uh, image of Chris Redfield holding a baby, handing it over to the people that occupy this castle. So is Chris Redfield kidnapping Ethan's daughter and taking her away? Because in the initial trailer, we see Chris Redfield shoot somebody, I think his girlfriend, in front of Ethan. So Chris Redfield might end up being the bad guy, which is interesting here. Uh, obviously, he's a beloved character in Resident Evil. Um, next up, the castle is occupied by Lady Dimitrescu. If you've been on social media at all, this tall lady vampire has taken over the art world. People love this tall vampire lady. Good to finally have her have a name. She has three daughters. They all seem to be vampires of some sort. They can, like, dematerialize and come back in, like, forms of, like, miniature bats. Um, an interesting thing in the presentation is that she mentions Ethan, quote-unquote, escaped her little brother's games. Now, my question, Dom, do you think that this is a reference to the Bakers and maybe the dad of the Bakers is her little brother? Or do you think that's maybe a misdirect and her little brother maybe runs the village that you have to get through and the little games are you working through the village to get to the castle. You know, it could be either of those things. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it, it, it goes back to what you brought up earlier of like, why the heck is Ethan way over here after being in Louisiana, right? So so maybe that connection is, uh, you know, there's a reason for it and it's, and it's more designed and that plays into, you know, who this lady is in relation to the Baker family. Yeah, uh, it could be either. It could just be a reference of something that happened in 8 uh, you know, earlier in the game or whatever, I guess we'll find out. Well, it's interesting. Like, at what point does Ethan uh, does Ethan's daughter get kidnapped by Chris? Right. Assumedly, are they like on a European vacation, and then he steals the daughter, and then Ethan follows him, or does Ethan somehow figure out where Chris Redfield is and goes across the world? Like, it's going to be interesting to see how they clarify all that stuff. We'll find out. I'm just the little brother's games thing was interesting because I'm like, I could see maybe how Baker's related to her, maybe, but I do think it is a misdirect to have people think of like, oh, she's related to the Baker family, and in reality, she's actually related to probably the dude who's making your life miserable on your way to the castle, right? That's what mm -hmm. I assume, anyways. We'll see. Uh, so Lady Dimitriscu, uh, Lady D is what I'm gonna call her. Uh, she's on the phone talking to her boss or overlord or whatever that she reports to. And that person's name is Mother Miranda. I'm assuming that this is probably going to be the final main boss, right? The the puppet master pulling all of the strings. Um, I'm assuming that that reveal might be huge. Of like, oh, Mother Miranda is actually this other person that Resident Evil fans know. Um, we'll see. She mentions a ceremony to Mother Miranda. Uh, do you think this ceremony is for Ethan's daughter, Dom, to like make her a vampire alongside them? That would make sense, right? Because they have why. <laughs> 
why did they kidnap her? You know, why it was, yeah, Chris Redfield, the one that potentially did it. Well, yeah, what do they have planned with her? And what did, did, uh, did Redfield get like a bounty or something here? <laughs> um, and why yeah. did it, why did it have to be Ethan's daughter specifically? Uh, yeah, you're probably onto something. And then the last thing is, it seems it'd be a werewolves versus vampires element to this game. You know, classic underworld vibes. Some of the trailers, people think that the werewolf you see screaming is actually Ethan turning into a werewolf, right? And I do think at points in this game, Ethan will probably do that and transform. You'll probably control him and go ballistic or something. But I'm curious as to whether or not that's actually real or if it's happening in his head, like if he's having a psychological breakdown. And I wonder if this game could be eventually just him coming to terms with losing his daughter in another way where she actually wasn't kidnapped, right? Uh, what if Chris is just a manifestation of his evil side? Like, what if he's actually the one that kills his wife? What if he's actually the one that kidnaps his daughter? You know what I mean? Like, who knows? Um, I, you know, Resident Evil has always toyed with zombies and the undead and, like, you know, all that stuff. And they've gotten a little wacky at times. The vampire werewolves thing seems like a, a leap, and I wonder if it's not, not all as it seems, you know? Um, maybe it yeah. is a facade of some sort. Cause that does seem like even for resident evil, like a little off, you know, out of canon for there to be straight up vampires versus werewolves. Right. Um, and yeah, so yeah, maybe it's more of a, a you know, some kind of psychological thing, uh, like you said, but they really wanted to bring in those, you know, horror elements in, into the franchise. Um, but it's, yeah, maybe there's something else going on. It's like the werewolf thing, thing could be like a, a version of the of the of the T virus, right? Like some weird strain of it. I can yeah, get that be. kind of. The vampire thing is the weird thing because they literally like dematerialize, and I wonder if it could be that the vampires are related to the, the thing that the little girl has in Resident Evil Seven, right? Like the sickness where she's like demonic or whatever, mm, right? Um, right. and I wonder if maybe that's why they're kidnapping the daughter because. I couldn't tell if he's actually still with uh, Mia because you get to choose who you save at the end of RE7. And I wonder if maybe the daughter has some, like, she t- got it biologically, you know what I mean, from his girlfriend or something. Or if he had yeah. some of it in his – I don't know. It's really interesting. I want to see how it all plays out. My money's on it being a psychological thing and us finding out that his reality is warped. I think that's what my money's on. And – I'd also put money on Chris not being the villain. That that's totally a red herring. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, where they they lead us to believe that, and then, yeah, later to find out like, oh, Ethan is kind of seeing things a little differently than they are, right? I I could see that. That and that's like a common horror uh, trope, really, at this point. I feel like, and and I'm not that don't mean that in a negative way either. Um, but yeah, I could that I could I could see that, but at the same time, like. I don't know. These games always kind of seem to twist on me and I can never quite uh, see where, you know, predict what's going to happen. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's something completely different, but uh, I think we're, we're probably, if I had to bet, we're on the right path here. Yeah. I think it's, there's definitely going to be some twists, which I can always enjoy with the Resident Evil title. Um, and we'll see what ends up happening. Excited. Can't wait for May. Hopefully it doesn't get delayed. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Let's get into what we've been playing. I want to start off uh, most of the same stuff I've been playing this week, but there was one new thing I tried out, Dom, and you'll never guess what it was. 
Really? Hmm. No Man's Sky. Oh, nice. Game yeah. Pass, right? Uh, yeah, it's on Game Pass. Uh, I I tried it out. Uh, give me one second to grab my notes. I made some note calls playing it. Um, I'm anxious it's in a better to, state to hear now about than this. it was at launch. Uh, pulling them up one second. Sorry about that. Okay. I only played for about an hour and a half, so not a whole lot of time. Especially with a game like that, where it's all about like exploring and figuring out what the the planets have to hold and all that. So here are my quick notes I have. First off, you know one of the funniest jokes uh, with No Man's Sky when it released were people playing the trumpet version of the the Jurassic Park theme, and they were showing images of the creatures on the planet. You remember that? Okay. Yeah. It was like, yeah. So. Even with all the updates, at least the first two planets I've visited, creature movement is still, like, wonky. It doesn't seem fluid. The animations don't seem fluid. They still move, like, really weird and awkward, which kind of is a little bit immersion-breaking. Once again, I've only seen two planets, and I've only seen a total of, like, two species of creatures, but, um, like, four versions of them total, if that makes sense. Like, the male version of one species, female version, uh... Yeah, but movement's still a bit wonky. But like I said, who knows? Maybe uh, that changes based on because it's randomly generated creatures. So I wonder if the ones I've seen are just the ones that are wonkier, and maybe there's more advanced ones later. Who knows? Um, next up, like most of these survival type games, there's a lot to take in from the jump of like learning. Okay, you have a toxic meter that you have to worry about not uh, running out. You have your oxygen meter you have to worry about not running out okay you have to acquire sulfur to fill this thing you have to acquire oxygen to to do this thing oh wait you have to upgrade this item to be able to do this thing so it's like a lot to take in all at once right so you have to kind of like take it all in slowly and surely and try to come around to what's going on i mean a lot of the survival games are generally the same at a base systems level it's just figuring out how this specific game works um and I will say the tutorials or like the pop-ups were pretty good for the most part in terms of letting you know how the world works and everything like that. Um, one of the coolest feelings in this game, Dom, is so the tutorial, this isn't a spoiler for No Man's Sky, but the tutorial of the game is you repairing your ship that crashed and then like the big gotcha moment is you getting in your ship, ascending, going out of the atmosphere into space and then going to the next planet, right? And it's really dope to be able to like be on a ship, on a planet, ascend, go out of the atmosphere, feel the gravity on your ship, pulling you back, get out into empty space, and then fly to another planet. It's really dope. It's really cool. It's something I've never experienced in another video game. Like, it's my dream for a Mass Effect title of like being able to actually fly from planet to planet. Obviously, you have like boost and like hyper speed to get you faster to places, but amazing feeling. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I never thought too much about that. I think I knew that about this game, but I hadn't thought about it. Because, yeah, well, there's so many examples of uh, every Mass Effect game, uh, like Star Wars, like Fallen Orders. Like, when you travel between planets, it's it's a load screen. Or you're just, you know, on the ship as its own environment. You don't get to, like, be a part of the process of traveling from planet to planet. Like, you know, it's, it's always open worlds, never open galaxy, right? So that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah, it's it's really fun. It's a really amazing moment, and you definitely, honestly, I would suggest anybody who has Game Pass to just play this game for an hour just to check that out, like just to experience that. I really think it's that cool. Um, and then you can you know ditch it and run away. Uh, this game commits a cardinal sin for me in video games. 
a cardinal sin, Dom. And this is only an issue on Xbox. PlayStation doesn't have to worry about this issue because your trophies aren't based on any type of point system. They're based on uh, silver, bronze, gold, platinum, right? Achievements have gamer score points. So every achievement is worth a set amount of points. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Most logical developers put them at increments of 5 or 10. So everything ends with a 5 <laughs> or a 0, right? Almost everything ends oh, with a 5 no. or a 0 because it makes the most sense. Every one of this game's achievements is 16 gamer score. Oh, no. So now I'm at the point where if I continue to play this game and I unlock any achievements, my the OCD in me means that I have to at least... I have to get five to or ten achievements. Like, I can't end this game with four achievements or six achievements because I have to end with a zero or a five, right? And obviously, with a number like 16, you're only ever going to end with a zero. So, I have to do that if I continue, which is awful. And it's something that I, I hate that I have to think about that while playing this game. And I know it's like, yeah, Jared, it's because you worry about achievements too much. And I get that. But at the same time, if you're a developer, you should know that that's going to bother some people. And it doesn't hurt to make them 15 points. Like, you know what I mean? I, I have know. an idea, Jared. Let's huh. you and I do this. Uh, patent pending, so no one steal this. Let's develop a game for Xbox um, with tro- not tro- not tro- achievements um, at, you know, various increments. Like a handful that are worth one. One, two, three, and four, five, six. Yeah. And all you have to do is, you know, like in the game, it'll be simple. Like go and push this button to get an achievement for one point or so on or whichever you need to make to make you back to five numbers. or zero yeah <laughs> think you could pass cert with that <laughs> yeah who knows if that black tiger game got in on playstation you never know <laughs> uh so yeah big carnal sin it's a bummer but it is what it is and yeah it's just like such an easy i don't know it's not a fix because i think once you obviously get it certified you can't change them but it's just a a big miss like come on now uh and yeah i've played for about an hour and a half um is there anything you want to ask me in regards to the game that I haven't mentioned yet? Because there's stuff I left off of my notes because it's like whatever, you know. Yeah. I've never understood. I've hardly even really watched any reviews or gameplay. And most reviews aren't really relevant anymore because the game's so different, right? But like, so it's a survival game and you're, you know, going planet to planet, collecting different resources, you know, maybe like plants or rocks or whatever else, right? But like, is there like combat of any type or okay. gameplay in general kind of... I don't understand, I guess. So here's... Obviously, I'm early in the game, so who knows what I'll find out, right? First off, I don't have a gun of any sort that's actually, like, violent or does damage so far. All I have is a, a mineral... Like, a mineral gun that gets resources, right, from stuff. And I have a, a scanner that I built that can identify creatures and plants and stuff on planets, right? Like, I discover them. Still unclear if I can name them, which would be pretty cool. That might be a thing. When you start the game, there's four different modes you can choose. There's um, story mode, which is one I chose, which is like, I guess it's called normal mode technically, but it's like normal survival elements. You're, you know, you don't have a timer or anything and just explore the world as you see fit. Then there's like a mode where you're just exploring and you're not worrying about any of the survival elements. Then there's one that's like just a survival mode where you're just worrying about surviving, right? It's like a timed thing. And I forgot what the last one is. I think it's like free play. So it's like creative mode in Minecraft. Like there's no rules. Do whatever the hell you want. Um, I, I didn't mention the narrative part of this. So the game does have a narrative to it, especially if you play the normal mode. And I've been getting a lot of these cryptic alien messages where somebody's trying to communicate with me, 
Don't know who it is. But on the first planet I was on, I got a message of like, hey, I crashed here too. If anybody ends up finding this stuff, please come here. I go, I end up finding a little base with a dead body in it. End up finding some materials, right? Then I get another message uh, of like, hey, I'm located it. And like things are cut off to make it more interesting. So you don't know exactly where it is. But it's like partial coordinates to a planet. So when I left the initial planet, I got coordinates to another planet. And you could hyperdrive autopilot to get you there and you don't have to worry like it's autopilots itself so you don't have to fly around all crazy, right? And when I landed there, there was another message uh, that was partially encrypted that I couldn't figure out. With this, there was chests I found near crash stuff that required specific cards, like access cards, right? Like terminal cards. And whereas a lot of the other stuff that you could search was open. Um, so I wonder if that's also a story element where some of the, the more narrative driven clues are are via these cards you have to insert into these um, chests. But it seems like I'll eventually be led to some sort of aliens or maybe another pilot or something. But there is other NPCs in the world. It isn't like a thing where you're getting messages and then it's going to just be a you reading to get the story. There are other NPCs in the world. And with that, I wonder if there is some type of combat because what if things don't turn out well? Can I build more weapons, right, that aren't for mining or resource gathering or um, mm. discovering animals? And it's more so like, oh, I need to protect myself. I don't know that yet. I might be too early to know either way. Interesting. It's not. <laughs> it's funny as you're talking about the narrative. I'm like, that's that's Fallout 76, right? Um, yeah. Except with eventually, in this case, you know, uh, find some real NPCs and not recordings and robots or whatever. But yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of, I think that's a cool way um, to, to tell a story. And I like that part of Fallout 76 actually um, had other problems, but um, that's interesting. Yeah. So I'll be curious to hear more uh, as you, if you continue to play it. There's also a multiplayer component and I, I'm unsure how that works. Like say for instance, you got, you got it, you loaded up no man's sky and I wanted you to play multiplayer with me. If you load in, do you just spawn next to me? Do you spawn at my home planet and you have to go through all of the stuff to build your own ship to be able to fly to meet me somewhere? I don't know how any of that works. I wonder if, will I get to a point where I can actually actually start crafting like buildings? So can I make a hub, like a base world, right? And just start building buildings for myself. And then me and you can play and like, I we have our own like space station on this planet. And then at that point, can NPCs like invade our planet? Because this is another weird thing, and this stuff happens in Fallout 2, Dom, is on the on the first planet I started on, remember when I was telling you that I had to repair my ship, okay? So I left to go find materials to repair my ship. I'm walking back or running back to my ship to repair it, and so my, my ship is like in a valley, and I'm approaching from the south side of the ship, okay? So as I'm approaching the ship, behind the ship in front of me to the north is a giant hill, okay? Giant hill. So I'm approaching my ship and behind the hill, and this is after I'd gotten messages of like, hey, I was a survivor here. Hey, maybe you can meet us here, but obviously it's all like encrypted and stuff. I see a spaceship take off from my planet. I don't get an indication. I don't get nothing. doesn't say anything, but a, a spaceship flew from my planet into the atmosphere out to space. Didn't get any indication. <laughs> So I wonder if that's somebody like spying on me. That's like story driven. Like, what is that? You know what I mean? 
it's not a multiplayer world. Like, it's not like a random person that's like just leaving my planet. And it didn't say anything. But I thought that was really cool because it only matters if you notice it, right? Like, the fact that I noticed it and I saw the ship, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Got me a little worried. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it added to the immersion of the world. And it's like me building my own story in this game. It's really cool. I don't know how long I'll stick with it, but I will say, and I'll reiterate once again, if if you have Game Pass, getting in your ship and taking off from land into space is worth the price of admission, 100%. It's one of the most unique gaming experiences I've ever had. Once, Like I said, up until that point, you won't unlock any achievements, so you don't have to worry about the weird problem I have with it, and you just got to check it out, and then you can delete it and move on with your life, but I do think it's worth checking that out because it's really cool so fascinating yeah that's pretty much it for me in terms of new stuff i've played i haven't really played anything tempted to buy hitman 3 wondering where i'm gonna fall on that but we'll we'll see where that lands uh what about you so i actually don't have too much um since finishing up demon souls um kind of like needed a break you know um yeah because i was really deep into that i haven't gone through and it was difficult and having gone through and gotten every trophy and doing all that was um some some get some wear and tear but i did um afterwards jump back into control um the oh, yeah. ultimate edition was on sale for like half off so I'm like oh okay i'll just grab that because i never actually bought it in the first place when i first played it it was like on playstation now at the time um but yeah so i i, I wanted to do that because i haven't hadn't played that dlc yet um, and I'll probably come back around again when they do release the actual PS5 version too. But mostly, I wanted to check out that DLC and and clean up the platinum and control too because I hadn't gotten to that either. So I did get the rest of the trophies, um, which were kind of fun. The game is just a lot of fun to play, like levitating around, throwing stuff at enemies. Um, and a couple of the other abilities you unlock are really cool. Like that, I don't know. It's just the the gameplay in that one is just superb, and like the the vibe of everything. I forgot how cool this game was. Uh, uh, but then the DLC was all right. It wasn't um, it wasn't particularly cool. It was kind of just more of the game. The first one of which the foundation actually brings you like down into the depths like uh, of the of the oldest house that you're in, and you're in kind of everything is red and like kind of like a mine looking uh, place, and you know typical stuff. You got to go in there and kill some kill some of the hiss and make sure that the house doesn't crumble down sort of a deal. Um, it's pretty fun. The environments are different enough to, to make it um, interesting and you get a couple new abilities um, that are kind of environmentally related. I won't say too much about it, but um, it was pretty fun. The second DLC, however, I was more excited for because this was the um, Altered World event. I think that's what it stands for. Like AWE. Um, expansion, but it was uh, intended to be centered around Alan Wake. Right, AW um, also known as the Alan Wake expansion. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah. and so it was fun. It was more of the game um, in the more typical environments of the game, and it really leaned into the survival horror elements of the game, which I was re- I was really into. Like, um, you, c- there was a lot. Of, there were some gameplay elements from Alan Wake, in that you had to use a flashlight to kind of expel some of these like dark clouds that were blocking your way or blocking certain, you know, environmental contraptions from working for puzzles and things like that. Right. 
Of course, you don't just have a flashlight control, so you have to, you know, grab one with your, uh, I don't know what they call the ability to, like, pick stuff up and throw it, but um, you just, you know, telekinetically pick up uh, flashlights and use them um, as you need for that, which is kind of cool. And then there's kind of this main boss that you're sort of chasing throughout the whole um, expansion, and he's obviously very uh, reliant upon the darkness, and so you're trying to, you know, fight him by, you know, solving environmental puzzles to turn the lights on and use flashlights different things like that you know it was it was pretty fun there wasn't really much um in terms of like alan wake himself um, he has some like dialogue cutting in um and you see him in like weird flashbacks a little bit but it's like a lot of nonsense that i don't totally know how it connects to the story but um uh and you do go to like a the a bright falls which was the setting of alan wake it's like a bright falls awe site in the oldest house if that makes sense kind of how like you go to um the town where uh, jesse is from ordinary there's like an yeah. ordinary uh site in the oldest house it's kind of like that um it's not much to it uh so that was kind of kind of a letdown but they i mean they tease uh, a lot more alan wake content at the end of this expansion basically it felt like as fun as it was it the expansion kind of feels like oh this was just like letting you know that like next time we're really going all in on this uh this connection between these two worlds um so i'm looking forward to that even though even if i felt like a little tiny bit let down maybe by like how much or how little like alan wake actually was in this expansion you know i but that's fine it was still it was still a lot of fun so yeah you uh you never played quantum break right I did not. So obviously it had all the weird TV stuff around it, which I totally get people being like pushed off of it because of that. But like Control, it has some of the most fun like gameplay mechanics and feel to it. It just feels fun using the time manipulation in that game. And you can see, if you play Quantum Break, you can see the roots of Control, of like where they got it to feel so good and... You felt like, I mean, in both of those games, you're essentially a superhero or, or super powered mm-hmm. at the very least. Um, and they just feel so good. And my hope is that the next, A, we get an Alan Wake game, and B, it's in the control engine. I think it'd be so dope. Um, I, you could even merge the games and, you know, make it to where part of the game you're controlling Jesse, right? Is her name? It's been a while yep. since I played. Uh, and part of the game you're controlling Alan. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, because they they control so differently where Alan, you feel a lot more probably in danger and timid because he isn't super powered, right? He's just this author. Whereas Jesse, you are the super powered machine and you could get both elements of like action as well as that survival horror with Alan Wake. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, I need to get around to that DLC as well. We'll see what happens. I might just wait for the Xbox Series X version as well. Like you're waiting for the PS5 version just to hop back in. Who knows? It's not far. I think it's like February that's supposed yeah. to come out so great game by the way control so good um yeah. had a lot of fun um i'm glad to have cleaned up the platinum trophy for it too um <laughs> what platinum level is that oh man i think i'm getting close to 30 i have to double check oh, nice. they're starting to add up um like and seven I'm out of those are from soft <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah. um and i'm on, currently on it once again on a bit of a streak um i was you know control demon souls uh, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part Two, Sekiro Last... was recent, right? Yeah, Sekiro was a little before that, so I'm on a bit of a streak of uh, 
platinum platinuming games not platinum games um, but uh yeah otherwise the only thing else i've started pl- actually there's two more things shoot i forgot luigi's mansion three jared wow that's wild that's a yeah um my wife and i have been playing it um just if like i don't know probably five or six or seven hours in or something like that um great co-op game first of all um I, I wasn't sure how that was going to work like the you know the second character the second player gets to be like the Gooligi, um, Gooligi, like the goo, yeah, <laughs> goo form of luigi um i wasn't sure exactly how impactful that was going to be if i was going to be like it's it's in long story short it's way more than like being mario's hat in odyssey or whatever yeah um, it's it's actually like you can continue to control Gooigi and he's integral to solving puzzles and it's actually probably easier playing with two people because otherwise you'd have to switch back and forth and you only yeah. control one at a time while you solve the puzzle um but yeah no it's super fun game the, the the each you know each room is is a new puzzle and the, it's super well polished and you know funny like all the different uh ghosts you come across um you know there's like the chef ghost the piano playing ghost and different things like that it's pretty it's pretty hilarious um so yeah, been enjoying Luigi's Mansion Three finally because I, I was interested in that when it first came out, but hadn't just didn't get around to it. Um, so yeah, having fun with that. And then the next thing is I'm now finally getting around to the next Dark Pictures anthology game, Little Hope, which first came out uh, last was it October 2020 or 2019? I like it was that last name. year. It was last year. Okay, it was just last year. Okay. Um, so same thing, only a couple hours into this into this game. Um, having been really disappointed in the first game, Man of Madon, this one is um, so far much better as far as like there's a story that <laughs> makes sense. And, you know, there's actually like, I don't know, it, I actually like learning and understanding what's going on and things are happening and they make sense. And, the, you know, the gameplay is, is fun. There's a lot of good jump scares, that kind of stuff. Um, some yeah. of the dialogue and delivery is so hilariously bad. Oh god. <laughs> that uh it's actually funny. It's, like, it's almost bad, like it's good. Yeah, it's almost like increasing okay. the enjoyment. Um like some of the lines I'm just like that's what they had you say and that's how you chose to say it. Like, that's the best <laughs> take. <laughs> yeah. Um and it's kind of like the last game. I hate to be like a Debbie Downer and like I don't want to tell people certain things suck, but boy, it's not good. Um, but overall, the experience is great, so I, you know, I'm not really upset about it. Um, so the story is much better. It's more of a you know you're on a you you get stranded like near a small town in the middle of nowhere, and uh, it's you know a whole like witch thing um, with some you're getting these flashbacks in a weird way to this uh, not Salem witch trials, but witch trials in this uh, a little hope right. And uh, that's kind of impacting what's going on. Well, you're there and you're stranded and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's interesting enough. It's like you know, your typical horror uh, movie stuff, right? But that's at least much better than Man of Madon, which was absolute freaking nonsense um, story-wise. But, yeah, having fun with, with Little Hope so far. It's already better than the, the previous entry. Nice. Touching on a bunch of... Uh, a lot of horror because even Luigi's Mansion, you know, spooky, spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool that you have that as a co-op experience, so it kind of pushed you to get it as you're like teetering on whether or yeah. not to get it right. That's cool. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, interested to see how you guys, when you guys finish it, what your overall thoughts are on that. Because did you play the first two? Two? Um, no. No, I did not. Because this is the third Luigi's Mansion, right? Yeah. Sorry, okay. I thought you were still talking about uh, Little Hope for a second. Oh, Little Hope. Uh, no, um, no, no. Sorry. I should have clarified. No, yeah. I never played any of the uh, Luigi games uh, before this one. So, I've never played e- any of them either, and 3 definitely piqued my interest. So, excited to see what you have to say about it. I might end up hopping in. That's the one problem with Nintendo games, though. We've talked about this. Like, they never go on sale either. So, it's like, mm-hmm. you want to play Luigi's Mansion 3 two years after it came out? Give us $60. Yeah. Ah, dang. It feels bad. But, hey, man, if it, the quality's there, it's definitely worth it. Um, anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, no, I guess upcoming, uh, ha- having just started watching the Lord of the Rings movies for the first time, I was reminded that, oh, you know what? Last month, like PS plus gave me shadow of Mordor. No shadow of war, the sequel to shadow of Mordor. Um, and I liked that first game enough. Uh, it's kind of bland like everything looked the same everywhere but you know what it was you know the nemesis system was pretty cool the orcs were funny and the combat was fun so i think i'm gonna jump into shadow of war next man there was uh, the trilogy of games came out on the ps2 and they were so good like better than any licensed game has any right to be yeah they're really good people absolutely adored those games i'm hoping that that's a series that gets like uh, an officially licensed video video game with just the three movies like i don't mind playing through them it's just like i want to have a newer version of that story because the movies came out so long ago not saying the movies aren't fantastic they are amazing i I try to watch them at least once a year and it's crazy you're watching for the first time i couldn't imagine watching those for the first time um there's so many um moments where i'm like oh that's where that meme came from (laughs) yeah and who knows it might get you excited too for the amazon tv series that's going to be coming out in the next year or so yeah yeah excited for that um anyways i think that's it for this week's podcast guys if you can search controlled interests on instagram twitter youtube will pop right up you can follow us there instagram accounts are new trying to post there at least the new episodes and maybe some other stuff as the year gets going uh so follow there if instagram's your social media of choice if not we're on twitter as well do the same thing and uh youtube is where you can follow the podcast in its video form hit the like button on the video if you enjoy it Leave a comment. Let me know what you think about what we've talked about. Give us your feedback on any of the stuff we mentioned in terms of news or the topic. And hit the bell notification so you know when we upload new videos. In terms of personal, you can follow me at Jared uh, Jared Weich now on Twitter. I have to remember that. It's not Jared underscore anymore. I just changed it to Jared Weich. Uh, and you can follow Dom at Dom Zorios. Uh, we tweet stuff. Um, currently, it's a lot of either political or NFL opinions for me. <laughs> Going back and forth on those. Uh, also, congratulations, Dom. You now have a new GM and head coach for the Detroit Lions. Congratulations there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what been, happens. Been here before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more often than me, at least, in, in recent memory. Um, yes, yeah, so thank you guys for listening and or watching, however you enjoy the podcast. Catch us next week. We're actually going to be doing our predictions podcast next week. So we're going to be going over our our predictions we made last year making some new ones this year. And then we're also going to predict some Metacritic scores. Uh, And we might have a guest as well, depending on how things work out. So stay tuned for that. See you guys next week. Bye.